Hi everybody, the George Wilder. Hi everybody, the George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. Finest internet radio show, making a world a better place, one show at a time. The George Water Jr. Show is now on the air. Take it away, Dad.
All right, welcome to the George Wilder Jr. Show. Okay, welcome to the George Wilder Jr. Show. Uh, hey, this is the start of the week. I mean, this is the start of a brand new week for the George Wilder Jr. Show. And we have some marvelous guests that are hopefully that will be appearing. I, I always say hopefully because you never know what happens, what might happen. Somebody might get, you know, whatever, have to take off or whatever, have to something comes up, they can't do the show. So, you know, I mean, it, it happens. So, but more than likely, more than none, people do show up for the show. Every now and then someone will call off, just like someone might call off work or something. I mean, you know, things happen, right? But anyway, welcome to the George Wilder Jr. Show, a brand new week of the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio, WTTTT. Why? Some people think I'm spelling witty, but I'm not. Those are the station's call numbers. And um, we're glad to be here, and we're glad you're out there, or you know, or will be podcasting the show. Sometimes, sometimes people can't listen to the show live as I'm coming out to you right now. Uh, it's great that people can podcast the show, download the show, and listen to the show anytime they want to, at anywhere in the world. That is so amazing. Sometimes I still get goosebumps just thinking about that, or even saying it you know, all over the world. And uh, I have gotten calls from all over the world, people that have, you know, from all over the world. You know, and, and that's exciting. That That's very exciting. Um, I'm getting goosebumps just saying it all over the world, you know. And uh, the George Wilder Jr. Show will be around as long as I'm around, you know. <laughs> uh, what, what can I say? You know, I, I kick over, the show is over. All right. Uh, welcome to the George Wilder Jr. Show. Author Brian James is scheduled to be on the show today, and uh, that should be interesting. He is an author. I have some information here, but I'll tell you a little bit later about it. Uh, Brian James and commentary on the George Wilder Jr. Show, as always, as always. And, and I want to say to everybody out there, be positive, think positive. You know, I mean, do things that are positive. Surround yourself with positive people, positive role models, and you can't lose. All right? Hate has no place on the George Wilder Jr. show. Be nice to one another, folks. That is the essence of it all. Treat other people as you would like other people to treat you. You know, be unto others as you want others to be unto you. Be nice to one another. That's Easier said than done, I realize that, but, you know, work on it, work on it. You know, we don't need to be arguing and fighting and bitching and disagreeing. I mean, we, we can disagree, but we don't have to, you know, start punching each other out because of it, literally, you know. So be nice to uh, one another. This show is all about making the world a better place or trying to make the world a better place because every day this show has been on the air, I've been saying the same thing. Let's make the world a better place. The more I say, let's make the world a better place, the worse it becomes. And I don't think that's uh, the show's fault. I, I just think it's just, you know, uh, people in the world, you know, but we're still going to be uh, advocating making the world a better place because there's other shows, there's other talk shows, radio shows, television shows, talk that some of these shows are saying the same thing as I'm saying, or I'm saying the same thing that they're saying, we're going to make the world a better place one show at a time. It's up to us. It's up to the people to um, make this place a better place, a livable place, make America 
uh, America again because it's not. You know, it it's it, it is falling, it is falling down, and it can't get up unless we make some changes. We have to make those changes. We have to be the people who make the world a better place. We just cannot sit down on our butts and hoping that someone comes from out of the blue somewhere and make the world better for us. We have to make the world a better place ourselves. We can't hope and pray for some leader to come lead us out of <laughs> out of the uh, uh, promised land or into the promised land. We have to uh, take hold and lead ourselves out or into the promised land. We are the leaders of America. We're the leaders. Each and every one of us are leaders. I mean, when you're raising your kids, your kids are looking up to you as a leader. You're a leader. You don't need any special credentials or special papers or a license to say that you're a leader. You're a leader. We all are leaders. Whether you uh, utilize that talent or not, we're all leaders. And we all are um, capable of making the world a better place than what it is. Because... Let's face it, it's me and you, we're on the face of the earth, men and women, that's it. If the, if the earth is going to hell in a handbasket, it's men and women that are causing it. And it's men and women where we're going to have to have to uh, 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 treat it and make it a better place. All right, you've been listening to, to the George Mother Jr. Show. We've been off for uh, three days, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Because that's usually the off days because, you know, I have errands to do. We got things to do. I have a family and we and, <laughs> and I have to spend some time with the family sometimes. And, you know, sometimes I'd rather be on the radio, actually. And, uh, but uh, uh, things are what they are. What can I say? All right. We're trying to make the world a better place. Hate has no home here. All right. Go out of your way to do something nice for someone. Brag about it. Because silent gratitude isn't much use to anyone. I mean, you've got a lot of people who are touching other people. You got a, a lot of a lot of people who are donating their time, their money, to helping uh, certain causes of other people, and they want to be anonymous. They don't want you to know their names. They don't want you to know who they are. They just donate, and you know. Uh, you know, mystery person or something, you know. But but I say, this is what the George Wanda Jr. say, if you're going to be, if you're going to do something good for someone else, let the world know that you're doing something good for someone. Don't just do something good under the cloak, on under a dark cloak, because you don't want nobody to know that you're giving a million dollars to a certain cause. Why not? Why not? I mean, let people know what you're doing, you know. I do. I mean, <laughs> I do. <laughs> I don't want to hide what I do. But I, I understand some people who want to keep be anonymous when they're doing great things and wonderful things for other people. I, I really do understand that, you know. But, um, you know, I mean, if you're going to give so much of your time to helping others, you might as well, you know, become famous for it, right? I mean, if you're going to write a book, or or something uh you want to get you want to get it out there to as many readers as possible in order for your book to sell or for people to even download it or even read it for free so you want people to know about what you're doing at least i do i mean 
you, you, you want, especially if you're out here and you're trying to make a difference, you want people to know that you're trying to make a difference. You can't make a difference uh, if nobody know who you are or if you don't even know you're doing it. Um, I guess you could, but, uh, you know, I just think it's better to not be anonymous when, you, when you're doing something great or something nice for someone. I just don't think it should be uh, hidden. I think if you're going to do something nice for someone, I think people should uh, know your name. You know, if you're going to do that, get get the praise that you deserve for being a great American, a great American. All right. You've been listening to the uh, George Wilder Jr. show on Block Talk Radio. There is a whole bunch of news in <laughs> in the world, at least in America. You know, Donald Trump is uh, double downing on on what he said to the to this uh, mother. Um, he's lying. He's he's saying the mother is saying that he didn't know the name of her son who were who was killed in Niger, and Donald Trump is saying that he did know his name. Well, now who's lying here? <laughs> Who is lying here? You know, uh, General Kelly was caught in a lie trying to defend Trump. Um, he even acknowledged as much as Trump did say. Trump, Trump, uh, as all as we all know, Trump came out saying that he did not say what Frederica Wilson, the sen- a senate a representative, said when he called the the parent of the down soldier, which is he knew what he was signed up for. General Kelly came out and said, "Hey, that's exactly what I told Trump to say." So Trump lied. And then General Kelly went on to uh, misrepresent uh, the representative, uh, Frederica Wilson, and she's asking for a apology. And that's that's not going to happen. I mean, these guys, these guys and girls, liars and crooks in the White House, they never apologize for anything, anything. So, you know. She's black, they're white. I mean, I'm pretty sure in some way uh, involving the White House, this is <laughs> this is something they don't want to be involved in, something with some something with a black person. But he wasn't afraid to jump in there uh jump in jump in there on the NFL trying to divide the NFL, the players and the managers and the fans. He tried to divide them. I don't think it worked. But um for, I'm just saying that's another example of Donald Trump trying to um, put a wedge between black and white, you know. So, all right, you've been listening to the George Wilder. It's, it, and it's very sad that uh, the world has come down to that race. We thought we was past this. We're not. <laughs> we're nowhere past it. The civil rights movement and all that stuff back in the 50s and 60s, it doesn't even compare to this. I'm talking about Martin Luther King. Um, uh, I can't think of her name. Uh, anyway, the civil rights, I'll probably think of it later on. Uh, uh, Megger Evers, you, you, you think about all of these guys, uh, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, um, and, uh, the civil rights movement, all those folks that were part of the civil rights movement from the 50s to 50s to the 60s, 
it has nothing <laughs> on what's going on today. I mean, the racism today coming coming out of the White House and you know and rearing his ugly head around America is just um, it, it's just unbelievable. It's just unbelievable. And another thing that's unbelievable is how much people just do not like Donald Trump. And I don't see how Donald Trump and the people in the White House can just ignore the public. I mean, when you've got the majority of the public against you, how in the hell can you govern? How in the hell can you give a speech? How in the hell can you uh, do anything when the people are against you? A few, uh, except for a few idiots, a few fools, a few knuckleheads out there. But the majority of the people are saying, uh, uh, we don't want you. We want you to leave. We want you to resign. We want you to be impeached. And how can these people just ignore that? Donald Trump has done so much already to be impeached. We don't even have to wait on the Russia investigation. We don't even have to wait on the Russia investigation. It's just uh, it's just one of those things that just happened. And uh, all right, you've been listen to, listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. We will be right back. We're going to do this. I had a very nice conversation with the woman, with the wife who is sounded like a lovely woman, did not say what the congresswoman said, and most people aren't too surprised to hear that. Uh, let, let her make her statement again, and then you'll find out. Good morning, and welcome to AM Joy. Over the past 10 months, Donald Trump has distinguished himself as a president who is prone to, shall we say, dishonesty. And he tends to double down on the lies he tells when he gets caught. But this week, Donald Trump did something truly extraordinary, even for him. Faced with a witness account, with an eyewitness account of his phone conversation with a gold star widow, a conversation that left the wife of a slain American soldier in tears, according to the people who were with her, a call in which Donald Trump reportedly told the wife of Sergeant LaDavid Johnson that her husband knew what he signed up for when he joined the military and was deployed to Niger, where he and three other U.S. Special Forces soldiers were killed in an ambush. Trump also reportedly told the distraught widow, who is pregnant with the couple's third child, in what presumably was an attempt at sympathy with her loss, but I guess it hurts anyway. Faced with the truth of that account by an African-American congresswoman from Florida, Representative Frederica Wilson, a longtime friend of Sergeant Johnson's family, who was riding in the limo with the family to retrieve Sergeant Johnson's body at the family's invitation, Donald Trump not only lied, denying he ever said he knew what he was getting into, but the decorated general who happens to be his chief of staff, a man who is himself a gold star father, then went to the White House podium to also attack the congresswoman. And when General John Kelly walked out to that microphone this week, he too did something extraordinary. After telling his own poignant story of the loss of his son, who was killed in Afghanistan in 2010, General Kelly confirmed Congresswoman Wilson's account in the course of defending Trump's statement that Sergeant Johnson knew what he was getting into. But General Kelly didn't stop there. Having confirmed that Donald Trump said exactly what the Congresswoman told the press he said, General Kelly then went on to smear Congresswoman Wilson by telling this story about the dedication of an FBI building in her district in 2015. The Congresswoman uh, stood up and in the long tradition of empty barrels making the most noise, stood up there and all of that and talked about 
how she was instrumental in getting the funding for that building and how she took care of her constituents because she got the money and she just called up President Obama and on that phone call he gave the money, the $20 million to build the building. And she sat down and we were stunned. That story, like Donald Trump's denial that he told Sergeant Johnson's widow that he knew what he was getting into, was false. And we now know it's false because the event in question was taped. And a local paper, the South Florida Sun Sentinel, released the tape in full on Friday, which proves that none of what General Kelly said about the Congresswoman, who he referred to simply as an empty barrel without ever bothering to use her name, that none of that actually happened. On Friday, after a full day of the hashtag I Believe Frederica trending and round condemnation of Kelly's attack on her, Congresswoman Wilson had this response to Kelly's remarks. That's a lie. You know, I feel sorry for General Kelly. He has my sympathy for the loss of his son, but he can't just go on TV and lie on me. Meanwhile, this morning, Sergeant Johnson is being laid to rest in South Florida. And Frederica Wilson, who started a mentoring program in Miami in 1993 that LaDavid Johnson and his brothers were part of, who knew him and his brothers since they were children, and who was the principal of the school, now named for her, that LaDavid Johnson's uncle graduated from, and who was close enough to the family that she, that she represents in Congress that they wanted her to be in that car. She is at that funeral as we speak. While General All right, welcome back to the George Wilder Jr. Show. And uh, it is a very nice day in the city of Chicago. It's dark now, but it's very nice. And it's, I mean, hey, they, they're saying that it's uh, a little bit, it feels more like winter than actually fall. But we, we've had a great, great summer, folks. And I, I, I am not in denial of that. I mean, it, we have, we've had a great summer. I totally appreciate it. I've enjoyed it. My family enjoyed it. 
We just enjoyed summer in the city of Chicago. And wherever you are in the world, I hope you have enjoyed it or are enjoying it. And uh, it's great to get out there and, and just, uh, you know, and just be a part of nature, especially when it's not acting too radically, you know, because I'm hearing that in North Carolina, there was a few tornadoes, maybe hurricanes, uh, things like that. And um, I'm just hoping uh, a lot of people don't lose their lives or lose their homes because that's that's tragic. Anyway, welcome back to the George Wilder Jr. Show. Uh, we are on the air Monday through Thursday, starting at 6 to 7.30 p.m., sometimes 8, depends on what's going on on the show. And we're having a lot of fun. We're going to stay on forever. <laughs> we're having a lot of fun, you know what I'm saying? Anyway, um, yeah, we've got some things to fix in the world. There's no doubt about it. And the only people that can fix it is you and me, you know. All right. Okay. You're on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Good evening, George. This Ryan is Brian James. James. I was, yep, I was scheduled to be on right. to talk about my book. Yeah, no problem. I mean, I got you here right here on the marquee, so I know you're, you're author, Brian James. And um, let me see if I can't remember what your book is about. Let me see. It, you, <laughs> I'm digging here, man. <laughs> uh, author of, I can't even pronounce it, M-J-O-L-N-I-R. It's one of the, it's the word is Mjolnir. That's Thor's hammer. Okay. And it's that weird, okay. it's that weird Northern European spelling where they put J's in places where J's just simply don't belong. Yeah. Is the J silent or what? Uh, do you? Kind of. It's pronounced like, is that Mjolnir? Almost like Mew cat, yeah. you know, like a cat Mew. It's an odd so pronunciation. We, so we do hear the M. Yeah. Yes. You, you definitely hear the M. Yeah. All right, uh, well, Brian all, James on the George. No problem, Brian James on the George Wilder Jr. Show. All right, Brian, tell us a little bit about you or yourself, and then get into your book. Well, I live in Michigan. Um, uh -huh. the weather is a little similar to yours right now, which is looking a little winterish for my state. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I went to college for history and archaeology. Um, my you goal was to be Indiana Jones. I figured out there was ah. only one Indiana Jones. Harrison I Ford. Didn't I, I didn't make it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't make the cut. And then I started using what little writing talent I had to uh -huh. carve out a career in that. And I started writing for small local papers. I eventually um, started contributing to the Detroit Free Press, and that led to things like the World Poker Tour magazine, Classic Rock magazine, a number of, and several dozen websites, and just mushroomed eventually into somebody asking, "Hey, can you write a book?" Wow! Yeah, and I've always been that, that's imp I've always been fascinated with northern cultures. They were, how can I say this politely? The ancient northern cultures were horrible people, but they were fun to read about. Yeah, I mean it's. Um, um, history and uh so get into your book what's the, what's the um what's the premise of your book the premise of the book is the norse gods live on earth in our time and 
just before the Norse apocalypse called Ragnarok. Um, in the original mythology and the original writings, all the gods die in Ragnarok. So the ones who are living on Earth have integrated into society with varying levels of success, and some of them are trying to figure out how not to die. Some of them hmm. don't believe that there's anything coming. For example, Thor has turned his back on his own deity, he's become an atheist, and plays professional football. He still demands worship, and that's what he figured the best way to get it was. Wow. Sounds um, like a movie. Odin, Odin, Odin believes absolutely that he'll die in Ragnarok, so he's got to figure out a way around it. So yeah. he becomes the CEO of a defense contracting firm. Wow, that, so that sounds so when the That sounds mesmerizing. So when the final That's That could be the next movie, the, the next final, Thor movie. <laughs> oh, I, I think I would sell redundant organ for that to happen, but I don't think Marvel would ever let that happen. <laughs> Have you uh contacted uh, them? Well, Have you uh talked to them about it? It it could happen, man. I've had a couple of conversations and um they they turned into debates about their version of Thor versus the mythological version of Thor. Mm. For example, have you seen? Kind of like, okay. Go right ahead. I said it's kind of like comparing one of those creepy hairless cats with a snow leopard. That's how dissimilar the two are. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the trailer for the current Thor movie? Not taking time away from your book, but have you seen the the latest trailer of the latest Thor movie? Oh yeah, I've seen it. it looks very entertaining, and I'm okay talking about about anything Norse myth because the two the two almost fold into each other because that's when I've done podcasts and interviews. That's always been that one of the top questions: how does how do these two things go together? No, the reason why yeah, I asked I you, did you see this? The reason why I asked you, did you see the trailer? Because I saw it also. And the latest Thor movie, I don't know if I'm going to enjoy it as much as I enjoyed the previous ones because the guy, he's got a haircut. He, he doesn't have the shoulder length hair. And, you know, I mean, when I grew up reading a comic book, Thor, was, he always had um, shoulder length hair. Uh, Chris Hemworth cut his hair, it's real short. Yeah, it's kind of a little buzz. Not not exactly a buzz cut, but it's that scene where he's the, it's the scene where he's fighting the Hulk in the arena, and he doesn't yeah. even have the hammer at that point. Short hair, no. Hair. I don't know. <laughs> and they calling this Thor. Oh uh, yeah, that's another. It'll be entertaining, no matter what. I think. Yeah. yeah. I hope. Okay. Yeah. Back to your book. I'll hope it's entertaining. Oh, that's yeah. But um, that's that's the basic premise. You've got some gods Mm -hmm. trying to avoid their death in Ragnarok. Some just living here, Mm -hmm. integrated into society. I try to keep the characters as close to the mythological base as humanly possible, which Mm -hmm. has caused some problems. Um, For example, I have Freya, who is the goddess of love. In the book, she is a professional escort, which matches her personality from the myths, because in the myths, she 
um, her signature object is something called the Necklace of the Brisings. And she wow. slept with four dwarves to get it. Hmm. Do you have your book, book with you? Can you read us an excerpt? Can you read us an excerpt? Sure, I can read a short excerpt. Okay. Okay. Uh, this is uh, this is Thor's introduction chapter. Um, mm -hmm. When Trent Adams was, was a child, he never wanted to grow up to be anything but a professional football player. These men who played the most violent of games were, to him anyway, personification of every superhero come to life. His mom was less enthusiastic about his passion. She heard the stories about dirty locker room conversations, the lighting of bodily gases, and how they considered giving wedgies to members of the debate team a form of high comedy. Mother Adams considered these activities beneath her nice middle-class son. Despite her reservations, she supported him anyway, quietly hoping Trent would wind up in a career that involved a white lab coat and the words Dr. Adams. The American Medical Association, along with any reputable med school, may have wanted nothing to do with him, but the Minnesota Vikings recognized these traits. They invested a lot of hope in him when they traded up in the draft to get him as the 11th player taken in the first round of the NFL mm -hmm. draft. From the moment he stepped on the Vikings practice field, he was the type of courageous leader that the team had been lacking since the days of Fran Tarkenton. The Vikings were tipped ah. purple, to, purple, and Trent was living his dream. Yes, all his life, Trent wanted to be a professional football player until, until this moment. Three minutes from halftime in a game against the Oakland Raiders during an unforgiving downpour, Trent was panicking in the huddle. It had nothing to do with the weather. This was the first time in his life that he wished he had listened to his mother and gone into podiatry. He yeah. looked over at the Raiders' huddle. All of them were clustered together, getting their defensive play ready for the next snap. All of them except number 74. Thor just stood outside the huddle and stared back at him. Trent could feel Thor's icy blue eyes piercing him. This was a dispassionate sort. There was a dispassionate sort of hate and malice in the stare. It sent a clear message that Trent would soon have a greater understanding for the, and appreciation for the whole lamb to the slaughters cliche. Those eyes expressed sort of casual ease with violence that was unnerving. Mm -hmm. It was like, it was, the, it was the look someone would expect to see if they found themselves face to face with a person like Heinrich Himmler or a dental school graduate. Trent couldn't take it anymore. It was, if it was just the look, he would have spent the rest of the game and probably the day completely creeped out but he would never get over it, but he would get over it. There was history behind the look though. Thor was a man whose NFL career was built on the broken bodies of his opponents. This was a guy who ended careers and on a few controversial occasions lives as well. The look combined with the body mm. count credited to Thor's ledger was too much for him to deal with. And that's a little bit of the introduction of Thor. So this is kind of a modern day Thor. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're talking about, yeah, 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 and 21st century. Uh, that's that's great, man. You, it sounds like you you've had fun writing it. Oh, I had a blast creating. Fact, had one yeah, of, from the from the first page. In fact, on the first page, America's first orange president dies. Yeah, but that's another issue altogether. <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> So how is the book doing? Is it, it have you is it published and how is what are people saying about it? It is published. It is published by Double Dragon Publishing out of Toronto. Uh -huh. It's doing I think it's doing better than expected. And I hate to say yeah. I hate to go back to the mo or movies, but I think it's because they timed the release 
with the movie. That's good for you. I'm not going to complain. <laughs> not one little bit. But, it, it, uh, it's, it, also it, getting, I, it's also getting... It's getting reviewed very already. well as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, mean, I grew up with... Um, Thor and Superman and Iron Man and but is this Thor any has any similarities to the Marvel Thor or just a ordinary person? He has no similarities to the Marvel Thor at all. Um, he looks different. The Thor, the Thor in the myths is a is a redhead. The one in Marvel is a blonde. I mean, I know it's just cosmetic differences. Um, the hammer reacts differently. Uh, in the Marvel version, no one but Thor can pick up the hammer. In the myths, anyone can pick up the hammer. In fact, at one point, it gets stolen from him in the myths, and he has to cross-dress to get it back. Wow, that's interesting. Wow, and and it's and this book is available on Amazon.com on Amazon in it's both Kindle and on Amazon in Kindle and yeah. and uh paperback and Barnes and Noble and iTunes. Wow. That's, that's great. Is, is there a website my listeners can, can go to, to, to probably um, read a, an excerpt of, of the book? I mean, it sounds great. It just sounds good. I think go to doubledragon.com. Mm-hmm. That's the publisher's website. And mm-hmm. they will find the book um, on the splash page along with, and they'll lead you to excerpts. And and any options for buying, if they if they're so interested. Okay, uh, are you planning on doing another book, uh, make it a series or something, or a trilogy, or just or just this? I'll follow up on this one. I've got one. I've got a different book in the hopper for next year, and then I'll follow. Then I'll come uh-huh. back to this one. Oh. So the okay. next one I've got basically Roman Romans versus zombies. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm a writer also and I've got I've got uh, a few uh, zombie books up there, a few zombie stories up there also. Really? So is this a short story? Yeah, this is a is this a short story or or it's a, a novel? This is a novel. It's um okay. 375 pages, I believe. Okay. All right. Brian James on the George Wilder Jr. show. Man, I want to thank you for being on the show and I wish you a lot of luck with the book. Well, thank you very much. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. All right, Brian James on on the George Wilder Jr. Show talking about a modern-day Thor. Uh, you guys go out there and you check that book out, especially my readers. Go out there and check that book out. Uh, it sounds like a good book. I mean, uh, I'm a reader. I love reading. I'm an avid reader. I read all the time. Believe me, when I can find the time, I do read. And this sounds like a winner here. All right. You've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio. We will be, if I can find it, we will be right back. During an interview with Politico that was posted online this week, White House advisor, White House aide, whatever you want to call her, White House spokesperson maybe, Kellyanne Conway, took a shot at her critics once again. She told Politico that her critics were, quote, unhappy people with poison keyboards. I guess what she's trying to say is that they're a bunch of internet trolls going out there and just saying mean old things to Kellyanne who really isn't doing anything wrong. She doesn't understand why people are being so mean and horrible to her these days. 
Now, according to this interview that she gave with Politico, she had explained to her children that, yeah, look, mommy's going to be doing this thing. People are going to come at her. It's going to be you know, pretty ugly sometimes, but just deal with it. To be honest, that is a very good thing to tell your children. Yeah, when you're in the public spotlight, there's going to be the naysayers. But if she took the time to explain that to her children, maybe she should have taken the time to explain to her children that, hey, listen, mommy's going to have to go on TV and lie through her teeth to the American public about things that never happened. She is the one who came up with the term alternative facts. She is the one who invented the Bowling Green massacre that never happened. So I understand nobody likes to get criticized, but Kellyanne, you're inviting this on yourself. The people who criticize you, who call you out, are not unhappy people. I can tell you firsthand, I'm a very happy person. I love my life right now. But I will continue to criticize you anytime you feel the need to go on television and lie to the American public on behalf of Donald Trump. Anytime you make up a fake terrorist attack, we're going to be there as will everybody else online. And it's not because we just dislike you. It's because we don't want you to continue to dumb down the United States. This is our civic duty, to hold you and everyone else in your White House accountable. So you may think it's fine to go out there and give these interviews and attack the people who you claim are attacking you. But the truth is, all we're doing is trying to hold you accountable and to be honest, try to undo some of the damage that you're inflicting on the public today. There are Republicans out there in the United States today who, honest to God, believe that the Bowling Green Massacre was a thing, that it happened, that it was carried out by Iraqi immigrants, and that U.S. citizens died as a result of it. And that's all on you, Kellyanne. You're poisoning the public discourse. You are now listening to The George Wilder Jr. Show on Black Talk Radio. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. It is all about making the world a better place. Join me.
Bernie Sanders. Yeah, Bernie Sanders. The George folks. Wilder Jr. show is now on the <laughs> yeah, air. Yeah, that's enough it of that. Is that is enough. Ber- Bernie Sanders uh, says he's going to run for re-election as an independent, not as a Democrat anymore. Uh, 16, 2015, 2016, he ran as a, um, a Democrat. He says he's running as an independent this time. I don't blame him. I don't because I'm an independent. I mean, I look at both the, um, the both parties, the Republicans and Democrats, as just jackasses, and I don't affiliate with neither one of them. I'm an independent. I I, I just sit back and criticize, and uh, because both party has they have their flaws. Anyway, Bernie Sanders says he is he'll run for re-election. As an independent, Senator Bernie Sanders confirmed that he'll run for re-election next year as an independent candidate. He's running for to retain his job as senator. He's not running as for president, but as senator. Okay, so he may run in 2020. He'll be in his 80s, I believe, or near 80. So I, he may not run anyway. I'm quoting Bernie Sanders here. He says, I'm an independent and I've always run in Vermont in Vermont as an independent while I caucus with Democrats in the United States Senate, Sanders said in an interview with the New Hampshire Concord Monitor. I guess that's a newspaper. That's what I've been doing for a long time and that's what I'll continue to do. Bernie Sanders is 76 years old. He's serving his second term in the Senate after winning re-election in 2012 with 71% of the votes. Last year, he was appointed to the Senate Democratic Leadership Team as Outreach Director. Sanders to visit New Hampshire uh, was his second time in two months fueling speculation that he'll make another run for president in 2020. Wow, it's possible. It's possible he could run against whoever might be president at that time. It may not be Donald Trump. He may be long impeached or something else may have happened, but I don't, somehow I just don't believe Donald Trump is going to do a full four terms. You know, I I just don't see it. The man is, you know, there's something wrong there. All right. His win, his win against Hillary Clinton in the Granite State during the 2016 Democratic presidential primary helped launch a long and bitter battle for the nomination. An early poll of the 2020 race by the University of North Hampshire uh, last week found Sanders ahead in the state with 31% support for the Demo- uh, from Democratic voters, followed by former Vice President Joe Biden with only 24%, and Elizabeth Warren with only 13%. People love, what the hell, what can you say? People love um, Bernie Sanders. I mean, you got Elizabeth Warren, loudmouth. <laughs> I love her, but she's a loudmouth. Elizabeth Warren, Democrat from Massachusetts, 13%. Not many people care for her. I think I think Elizabeth Warren may be a phony, you know. And this is why Sanders should not have been allowed by the DNC to run as a Democrat. He isn't one, someone is saying. 
Uh, it is also why he should not be allowed to try to set the Democratic platform either. But he caucuses with Dems. These are many Dems in these are many Dems in state houses across the country who caucus with Republicans. You tell me that the liberal progressive is your tragic you're tragically mistaken if you think it's the Democratic Party. It hasn't been the Democratic Party since 1992. And of course, we all know in 1992, Bill Clinton was president. He, he was having his problems with Mona Lewinsky, if we all can remember. So Bernie Sanders is running for senator of Vermont again. I mean, I'm pretty sure he'll win. I mean, he's very popular there. They love him there. Uh, and it's a possibility that Bernie Sanders, Senator Bernie Sanders, could run again in 2020. That would be awesome. 79, 80 years old, this guy running, it would be awesome. And then again, you have to, you have to really, really think about his age. I mean, you know, I mean, 79, 80, you're running for president. You know, I mean... You, you got to think about it, but Bernie Sanders is an energetic guy. I mean, he is just so energetic. Seventy-six years old, he should be a role model for the, for everyone in this country, uh, saying that no matter what age you are, you can still do what you want to do. Bernie Sanders, I've said this several times on the show. I've seen two or three people in their eighties run the uh, marathon here in the city of Chicago in their 80s. I'm not saying they won the marathon. It's just that they ran it and finished it in their 80s. So, you know, Bernie Sanders is going to be 80 years old if he decides that he wants to run for president. He hasn't ruled it out. He hasn't said he was not going to do this. So you have to think maybe he's going to try running for president 2020 when he's 79, 79 years old. Uh, 80, approaching 80. This is what I tell my seniors out there and the elderly. Stop complaining about pain, this or that. You can't do this anymore because you're not young. Of course, yeah, age is going to deteriorate some things in your uh, in your body. There's no doubt about it. It's just natural. It's natural. To do that, your brain is going to deteriorate if you don't exercise it. Your body's going to deteriorate if you don't exercise it, do the right thing, diet and all that kind of thing. It's going to tell on you. Of course, sometimes you can do all of those things and your body's still going to break down on you. But your body doesn't have to break down on you. It doesn't have to. If your body breaks down on you and, you know, then it's something you doing or not doing. It's something that may be coming back to haunt you that was in your youth. You may have done something in your youth uh, uh, that's going to tell on you once you get 60, 70, 50, 60, 70 years old. You know, but generally speaking, you know, we don't we do not have to live with pain and over the pain, over the counter uh, painkillers are nothing. Prescription drugs are nothing. Prescription drug, drugs and over-the-counter over pain medicine is just as, in, as, as 
addictive. My mouth won't work today, folks. It's just as addictive. You know, uh, a lot of these medicines will treat the symptoms, but you still will have the disease. They will not, because uh, another thing, it, it's just shameful. Bar Bernie Sanders has always been, you know, a voice for the downtrodden, uh, the voice for uh, free health care, free college, which is sensible to me, okay? Free education, free meta, free uh, uh, health care, but not the Republicans. They want you to pay through your damn nose or die, and that's a damn shame. Uh, so I'm hoping that Bernie Sanders win. I'm pretty sure he, he would have no problem winning it, winning his own state, you know. Um, pretty sure he wouldn't have a problem winning the presidency because he came close. He was knocking Hillary Clinton out. He came close. Very, very close. And I do think if it was if it had been uh Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump, we would have President Sanders today because he would have beat the hell out of this Donald Trump. But we've got we've got what we've got now if that's if that's the way to say it well we have what we have right now so we have to move on from there we've got to think about how we're going to uh change america and uh, try to get america back on the right footing you know and um you know so bernie sanders yeah he says uh he may uh uh, uh run for president he's not denying it He's not backing down when someone asks him because, you know, if he was denying a run for 2020 for president, it would be all over the Internet, the the, the news and all that kind of thing. Uh, but no, no. So uh, I'm kind of pulling for him, you know, uh, you know, I'm kind of pulling for him. All right. You've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio. Follow me on Facebook. Follow me right here. All over the place folks um okay what do we have here okay so okay okay we'll be right back Just like I 
That's it. Keep on doing what you're doing. If you love what you do, do it. Uh, I've talked about this uh, the other day. Uh, don't let anybody stop you from doing what you want to do. Do what you want to do. If you love it, if, if you love it, uh, they have to love it too because you're not going to stop doing what you want to do, the way you want to do it and how you want to do it. All right. Um, widow of U.S. soldier killed in Niger, Trump call, and this is her quoting. She said Trump, her, his call made her cry even worse. I can... <laughs> I can believe it. All right, widow soldier of U.S. widow of U.S. soldier killed in Niger said she was hurt when Don, when President Donald Trump. I very seldom call him president because he's a if he's a president he's a fake president. Russia elected him, not the American people. Okay, told her in a phone call called in a phone call uh, last week that her husband knew what he was signed up for. And that statement right there was confirmed by J uh, John Kelly when he came out to the podium in the press uh, room in the White House. Okay, I'm quoting her. She said, he couldn't remember my husband's name, Maisha Johnson told ABC Good Morning America on Monday, referring to the presidential uh, condolence call that ignited a week-long controversy. I'm quoting again. Uh, I heard him stumbling trying to remember my husband's name. And Donald Trump came back and said that uh, he did mention her name. He did. He didn't. He did not. He did not. Okay, this is a tweet from Donald Trump. I'm very, excuse me, folks. I'm very respectful I had a very respectful conversation with the widow of Sergeant LaDavid Johnson and spoke his name from the beginning. He did not, without hesitation. That's a total lie. What they should have done was record a phone call. That's what they should have done. <laughs> Trump did not speak that man. This woman ain't got no reason to lie on Donald Trump. She had, she's got no, neither one of them. They're African-American, and they have no reason to, die on, to lie on Donald Trump. Donald Trump has every reason in the world to lie to the American people. He always has been. He always will be. He always will get away with lying because that's, this is what the Republicans in Congress want him to do. They're, even some of them, uh, maybe all of those Republicans in Congress, have started lying also. Well, if the president can lie, then we should be able to lie. That's how some of them think, and they do lie. And I hope there's a tsunami of Republicans uh, uh, taking the jobs of, of these guys on November 6th um, and, and just voting all of them out and putting in Democrats. And hopefully the Democrats will do what we want them to do, and that is to impeach Donald Trump. Executive orders can only do so much. They can only do so much. He's signing this and signing that, taking away this, taking away that. The man has a war with the American people because he knows that he, the American people, he doesn't have the American people on his side, so he's going to fight us. You know, he's called himself coming after us. Remember when he said, um, calm before the storm, storm? Everybody said, what the hell are you talking about? He never explained it. He never explained it. And he also said something 
something like, well, if they keep coming after me, I'm going to fight back. I'm going to show them something. You ain't showed nothing. Donald Trump pulled stuff, pull stuff out of his ass, and the media runs, runs after it like flies on manure. He just pulls stuff out of his butt and throws it out there and see how we react to it. Hmm. All righty. Matt Damon, the actor, Jason Bourne, says that he admits that he knew Harvey Weinstein sexually harassed Gwyneth Paltrow. All of these Hollywood stars coming out after Harvey Weinstein, now that Harvey Weinstein has lost his job, lost his credibility, lost his star on the Walk of Fame and all this kind of thing, uh, they're coming out, instead of coming out then, they're coming out years later talking about um, uh, this this sexual assaulter, uh, uh, Harvey Weinstein, this movie mogul, right? Well, uh, Harvey Weinstein case sounds uh, sounds a bit similar to the one that they were hanging Bill Cosby over. They took Bill Cosby through the mud. I, I was thinking the man was gonna was not gonna live through it. But he managed, and he he managed. He got away with some stuff, <laughs> uh, drugging women, and I don't know. Guys, don't you you don't have to rape or assault women. You don't have to do that. You get in a lot of trouble. Women uh, will come after you. Some of them, not all of them, but. If you're in a position of power, I mean, women going to be banging down your door. You don't have to. Oh, well. Anyway, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. Hope nobody called me and cussed me out for that because I'm just trying to stick up for the guys and say, hey, stop doing that. You don't really need to do that. Um, if you got something to offer, something to give, something to show, and I don't mean sexually, women will gravitate towards you because they are looking to make their lives better not in a sexual way but you know you never know you never know all right you've been listening to the george wilder jr show on blog talk radio bernie sanders is talking about running for office again i don't know hillary clinton says she's not going to run anymore but you never know i mean there she says that now but once 2020 comes up she may change her mind uh, and I do think there's going to be Trump is going to, going to have a lot of people trying to take his job because he's so, so unpopular. And uh, this guy took an oath to the Constitution of the United States, and he's broken every amendment thereof, and he's still in office. They're saying Trump can get away with this, Trump can get away with that, and nothing ever happens to Trump. No, nothing is ever going to happen to Trump, no matter what he does, because the American people aren't doing anything about it. They're sitting on their asses and just saying, hey, wow, waiting for someone else to do it for them. And no, no one is going to do anything for you. You want to see Trump out of office? You got to make those calls. You got to go down. You got to uh, rally. You got to protest. You've got to get down there to Washington, D.C., and just throw them all out. 
every last one of them, throw them all out, especially all of those Republicans, those rich old Republicans who are doing so much to hurt people. Never so few people in Congress have ever worked so hard to hurt so many people, and that's all they're doing. They are hurting people with a smile on their faces. They don't care what you say, I say. They don't give a damn. They don't care what the hell Trump does or what he doesn't do or how much he lies. Remember, those four soldiers that died in Niger, including the black guy, those four soldiers, that's on Donald Trump, is on Donald Trump. A lot of people don't want to say that. But it is. Why? Because he is the commanding chief of the military. And he's not knowledgeable of anything. Not too knowledgeable of nothing. He had five <laughs> Trump Trump had five deferments. What the hell does he know about the military? Nothing. And yet he will not listen to his top military guys that can probably, probably more likely teach him something. Wow. We are approaching the top of the hour. I'm Alex Hood. I'll see you again at noon Eastern. But now it's time to make way for AM Joy. <laughs> White House Chief of Staff John Kelly had a job to do today. Take the heat off the president for getting into trouble for something that no president before him has gotten into trouble for. Donald Trump made a mess with a condolence phone call to the widow of Sergeant LaDeva Johnson, who was killed two weeks ago in Niger. Today, John Kelly made just as much of a mess in his attempt to clean up Donald Trump's mess. All indications are that the president made that condolence call only after feeling the public pressure of a press conference where he was asked why he had been silent for almost two weeks about the death of Sergeant Johnson and three other Army sergeants in Niger, Staff Sergeant Brian Black, Staff Sergeant Jeremiah Johnson, Staff Sergeant Dustin Wright. In the 12 days between the time those soldiers were killed in action and the president was first asked about them, the president found plenty of time to tweet his moral outrage at football players. And he found time to tweet his outrage at Republican senators, especially Bob Corker, who publicly defended Secretary of State Rex Tillerson after Tillerson was publicly quoted as calling his boss, the president of the United States, a moron. It was only he when the news media publicly challenged the moron president in the just, Rose Garden the other day uh, for not acknowledging a, the deaths of those soldiers in any way that the president made the phone call that got him in trouble. Congresswoman Frederica Wilson, a friend of the family who was present during the call, quoted the president as saying, he knew what he was signing up for, but I guess it hurts anyway. It wasn't just Congresswoman Wilson who thought that was an insensitive comment. Sergeant Johnson's mother then told the Washington Post, President Trump did disrespect my son and my daughter and also me and my husband. And so, former Marine General John Kelly went into the White House press briefing room today to fix Donald Trump's problem, the recurring problem of appearing to have no empathy, the problem of being 
unable, publicly at least, to express any real sympathy for anyone except himself. And so John Kelly delivered a powerful public demonstration of real human feeling, including the horror of his own loss of a son in combat in Afghanistan, a loss that John Kelly bears with dignity, grace, and courage, including the courage it takes to get through another day with the full knowledge that his other son is still in harm's way, serving a fifth tour of duty in combat against ISIS right now. Few among us have the strength to bear what General Kelly and his family have to bear every day. General Kelly's comments today moved people in a way that nothing Donald Trump has ever said in his life could ever move anyone. General Kelly did some of what he was supposed to do today. He did demonstrate empathy, but not for anyone who is not like him. His empathy was isolated to military families only, and in particular to Gold Star families, to families who have lost a soldier in combat like the Kelly family. He showed no empathy at all for her. He talked about her a lot. He talked about her more than he talked about the president or his sons. And he never mentioned her name. He called her an empty barrel. He dehumanized her. In fact, from start to finish, John Kelly's comments in the briefing room today were essentially a lecture about his moral superiority over her and Donald Trump's moral superiority over her. If there is anything that John Kelly respects about her, he did not mention it today. Today, she was nothing but an empty barrel to him. That's Congresswoman Frederica Wilson. She wears hats in, to honor her grandmother. That's why she wears them. She wants to keep her grandmother in her mind all the time. She was the first to publicize the president's phone call to Sergeant Johnson's widow. John Kelly had absolutely no empathy for Frederica Wilson today. But they have more in None common than John Kelly realizes. They were both born in None segregated cities. They both went to segregated schools. Frederica Wilson was born in Miami in 1942. When she was going to school in Florida, the schools were segregated by law. When John Kelly was going to school in Oak Square in Brighton, in the Boston Irish neighborhood that he grew up in, the schools were segregated by custom and practice. And Boston's segregation in the 1950s, when John Kelly was in school, was as flawless as the legal segregation in Florida and the rest of the South. John Kelly never sat beside a student like Frederica Wilson in his elementary school. The language about black people in John Kelly's white neighborhood was exactly the same language about black people that was used at that time <coughs> in white communities in the segregated South. I grew up a few years after John Kelly in an identical neighborhood on the other side of Boston, and I went to high school in John Kelly's neighborhood. I know the neighborhood John Kelly comes from. I know the culture. It was a neighborhood in which calling someone who looked like Frederica Wilson an empty barrel was the kindest thing that would have been said about her. Desegregation came very painfully to the Boston schools long after John Kelly finished high school. And the pain of desegregating Boston schools was visited entirely upon the students who looked like Frederica Wilson. And the stones that were thrown at their buses 
and the eggs that were thrown at Ted Kennedy's car because he supported desegregation all came from that culture that John Kelly and I grew up in. And no one was yelling empty barrel at those buses. White elementary school students and high school students and their parents were screaming the worst possible racial epithets at those buses filled with black children. And John Kelly knows that. Now, I didn't mind hearing John Kelly disagree with Congresswoman Wilson today. I understand some of the nature of his disagreement with her, and some of it is deeply personal for him as a Gold Star father. But I was stunned, stunned, when I watched him dehumanize her and very deliberately continue to dehumanize her and refuse to give her the dignity of a name and call her an empty barrel. He went out of his way to do it. It came after he had said everything he had to say about the phone call controversy. He was finished with that. And then he reached back to a long story. He told a long story that took place in 2015, two years ago in Miami, when he attended the dedication of a new FBI field office in Miami, a field office that Congresswoman Wilson had helped get the money for. John Kelly went into a long story about honoring FBI agents who had been killed in the line of duty there, and he praised what he called the absolutely brilliant memorial speech that James Comey delivered at that event that day in Miami. That's how far out of the way he had to go to get to this. And a congresswoman uh, stood up, and in the long tradition of empty barrels making the most noise, stood up there and all of that, and talked about how she was instrumental in getting the funding for that building, and how she took care of her constituents because she got the money, and she just called up President Obama, and on that phone call, he gave the money, the $20 million, to build the building. And she sat down, and we were stunned, stunned that she'd done it, even for someone that is that empty a barrel. We were stunned. That empty a barrel. And I was stunned that John Kelly would so callously echo the worst part of the culture that he and I grew up in. Stunned. John Kelly and I have gone our separate ways in the world from our very similar beginnings in Boston Irish neighborhoods. So we are stunned by different things. Here's more of what stuns John Kelly. It stuns me that a member of Congress would have listened in on that conversation absolutely stuns me. And I thought, at least that was sacred. You know, when I was a kid growing up, a lot of things were sacred in our country. Women were sacred and looked upon with great honor. That's obviously not the case anymore, as we see from recent cases. You saw John Kelly began to slip into a bit of stream of consciousness about what was sacred when he was a kid growing up. You know what wasn't sacred when he was a kid growing up, where he was growing up? Black women or black people. And oh, by the way, women were not sacred either. They were not honored. In John Kelly's neighborhood, in the Catholic parish that he grew up in, in the Catholic parish that I grew up in, women were getting beaten by their husbands, their drunken husbands, as a normal weekly occurrence. And their parish priest would tell those women, you can't get divorced or you'll be excommunicated. 
You're just going to have to bear it. You're going to bear it for the children. There's nothing you can do about it. Women were not honored. Most women then were domestic servants, and the women who had jobs outside of the home were not allowed to have most of the jobs in America at that time. They weren't allowed to work in most of the factories. They were not allowed to be police officers. There were huge barriers of entry for women who wanted to be doctors instead of nurses. Huge barriers to entry for women who wanted to be professors instead of ele elementary school teachers, which is how Frederica Wilson began her work life. She was an elementary school teacher. She then worked her way up to elementary school principal and then got elected to the school board. And that's how she created a mentorship program for students like LaDavid Johnson, who she got to know when he was one of the kids in the mentorship program that she created as a member of the school board. When Frederica Wilson was a little girl, there were no black women members of Congress for her to look up to and aspire to, to follow into that office. When John Kelly was a little boy, everywhere he looked care. in America, there was someone who looked like him at the top, including the President of the United States, who had the same initials as John F. Kelly, who showed 10-year-olds like John F. Kelly growing up in Boston, that even a Boston Irish Catholic kid could make it all the way to the presidency. And so today, when John Kelly nostalgically looked back on a world that never was, where women were sacred, he was standing in the White House occupied by the president who has not only dishonored women, he is the only president in history who has confessed to sexual assault. I just start kissing them. It's like a magnet. You just kiss. I don't need to wait. And when you're a star, they let you do it. You can do anything. Whatever you want. Grab him by the pussy. Was John Kelly stunned by that? No. Does John Kelly wash his hands after he shakes hands with Donald Trump? The hand that... John Kelly's stream of consciousness about the loss of what is sacred in our society continued. Life, the dignity of life was sacred, that's gone. Religion, that seems to be gone as well. Gold Star families, I think that left in the convention over the summer. But I just thought the selfless devotion might be too low. a man or woman to die on the battlefield, I just thought that that might be sacred. So there's John Kelly saying that Gold Star families are not sacred anymore. And he says, <clears throat> I think that left in the convention over the summer. He seems to be complaining that Kazir Khan and his wife exercised their constitutional rights to speak publicly for one candidate and against another. <clears throat> John, <clears throat> John Kelly seems to be blaming the Khan family for dishonoring Gold Star families by making political comments. If that's not what he meant, we await his clarification or did he mean that he is ashamed that the president he works for attacked that gold star family for speaking at a convention that Donald Trump attacked Mr. and Mrs. Khan because they spoke out in a way that he did not like because if that is what John Kelly is outraged about then his outrage is well placed but John Kelly who went out there today to clarify the president's communication with a gold star family seems to have taken his own personal stance of moral superiority over another gold star family. And if that's not what he was doing, then tell us that's not what he was doing. What John Kelly had to say today 
in defense of Donald Trump was barely coherent. Everything General Kelly said about the procedures that the military follows for soldiers killed in action was clear and instructive and deeply moving. And everything John Kelly said about his own experience of the loss of a son in combat and the continued service of another son in combat was nothing less than noble. But when he attacked a Democratic congresswoman and defended a Republican president, he was purely partisan and he was not telling the truth. There are many words that you can use for Donald Trump. The word brave has absolutely no application in the same sentence with the word Trump. And it dishonors any other use of the word brave that you might like to make if you use that word to describe Donald Trump. It was especially stunning coming from a military man who knows what brave is, coming from a military man who has lived that bravery himself, has risked his Hey there, friends and fans. This is George Wilder Jr. of the George Wilder uh, Jr. Loud. Show. <laughs> I want you to enjoy my fictional writings located on Amazon and elsewhere. Uh, the website is www.amazon.com slash author slash G Wilder or, or go to the Amazon website and type my name in the text bar above to either order or download a book, a story, essays, novels, novelettes, whatever you want to do. And I want to thank you very much for that. And as always, good reading. This is George Wilder Jr. And keep listening. There's always more to come. All right. Thank you, everybody. Yeah, as long as uh, Donald Trump's in office, there's always more to come. Okay. it's All right. Trump... Someone's asking me a question. Uh, do you support President Trump climate change agenda? Okay, the question is, do you support President Trump wiping out Obama, Obama's climate change agenda? I don't support President Trump at anything. And I'm going to be like some be like a lot of other people. I don't think Donald Trump can uh, wipe Barack Obama off the history books. This is what he's trying to do. He's trying to wipe Obama from the history books, trying to wipe him from act, acting as if he never he wants Donald uh he Trump wants Obama to 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 actually never have been into the never had been in the White House. It seems like he's wiping the seats clean and, you know, trying to get rid of uh, the, the Obama smell in the White House. Trump will never, ever uh, erase the legacy of Donald Trump. Even, I mean, excuse me, Trump will never, ever erase the legacy of President Barack Obama, which, which is what he's trying to do right now. It'll never happen. He can he can race, race, away, race away all those executive orders done by Obama in the last eight years, but the people of America, the people of the United States, we know who was the better president, not this jerk off. You know, so do you support President Obama wiping away climate change? I don't. Uh, do you support President Trump? Sorry, I can't speak straight. Wiping away Obama's climate change agenda. 
No, I don't. No, I don't. This man is a fool. This man is a con man. Oh, he's doing something else. Trump disputes Gold Star Widow's account of the phone call. The reason why he's disputing the phone call is because we have no tape of the phone call. We can't verify the phone call. It's a call between the it's it's a fault it's a call between two or three people in the car and Donald Trump. Donald Trump's lying through through his uh, uh, ass. I said uh, I said earlier. Uh, these people, these African-American women who were uh, in the car when the phone call came, also the widow of this uh, fallen soldier, they have, why would they want to lie on Donald Trump? He's the president of the United States. I mean, anytime you're getting a call from the president of the United States, it's an honor. It's an honor. And to have him on speakerphone and everybody around can hear what he's saying, it's an honor. It's an honor. So Donald Trump and and there is no doubt General John Kelly, who is Donald Trump's chief of staff, came out the other day to the podium and just lied through their teeth on these on this uh, congresswoman and to the wife of this dead soldier. And now he's lying again. He did not mention that man's name. He didn't know that man's name. Donald Trump, whenever Donald Trump lies. Just like A.M. Joy said, whenever Donald Trump lies, Donald Trump doubles down on those lies. I mean, <laughs> which is stupid. He, and he doesn't apologize for anything. He doubles down on his lies. And this is what we have. This is why I say we have to do some real business come November 6, 28. We have to, we have to make some changes around here.